In my Bible, in my Bible in Judges chapter 16, the story of Samson, one of the things that I've written just in the margin of my Bible was that it would be sad to be remembered for what you might have been. Samson was this incredible man of God and yet one day he he stepped into stupid like so many of us have done. And if anybody could even begin to imagine the kind of consequence that's associated with that, they would have never made that choice. I had a young friend just recently uh, went to a club and drank 14 Jaeger bombs, went off to his apartment and ended his life. I can't, I can't get that out of my head. I can't shake it. I've been doing this 31 years and I've preached a lot of funerals and I've, you know, I've preached a lot of times in churches, and, but a funeral is a hard thing for me. Because at a funeral, I always hear people talk about, you know, this person in such an endearing way. And a lot of times, they say the things that they should have said while they were alive. Well, anyway, the question is, so what was he thinking? The truth is, he wasn't thinking. You, you can't get polluted like that and, and then find yourself in a way to make a coherent choice or a decision. And yet every single day, people step into stupid. And they make these choices that they have really no idea how it's going to impact their life. Our society celebrates the superficial. This guy is telling me the other day, he says, I have found this place that sells premium ice cream. Actually, it's yogurt that tastes as good as premium ice cream. I said, well, you're nuts, man. He said, no, it's as good as premium ice cream. See, the only reason a person would make a statement like that is because they've never had bluebell ice cream. If you've ever ate bluebell ice cream, you can't possibly make that, that analogy. You know, but, but that's the world we live in, all the, all the obsession with cosmetic surgery. I did this for me. I did this for me. I want my clothes to fit better, and so I did it for me, which is why you unzip your sweater down to your navel so everybody can see what you've done for you. But what you don't realize is when the rapture occurs, everything that's not you is going to be left behind. I know that's right. And you realize, and the obsession with tattoos. Yes, I have this little butterfly. It's precious. It's a little butterfly. It's turquoise that has red wings. And there's some Chinese writing or something. I don't know what that is. But it's a little teeny tiny butterfly, and it's, it's the prettiest little thing. See, you're not thinking. In about five years, that ain't going to be a butterfly. That's going to be a pterodactyl. <laughs> but people don't think about that. They just don't think about that. <laughs> it's like the person you marry. Guy tells me the other day, he says, well, listen, man. You don't know the woman I married. Brother, I don't know the woman I married. I've been married to the same woman 31 years, and I can tell you, moods can change dramatically. I'm driving down the road with my bride the other day, same girl for 31 years, driving down the road, and she says, over there is where the Johnsons live. You know, her husband was in Vietnam. They bought that 7-Eleven across the street from Fabric Circle, I was going to, you know, I found myself getting those cherry ices, white cherry ices. I don't know how they do that. 
But she's going to take us to the Cracker Barrel. All the women from the church, you know, she's got a laryngitis. She can't hardly. I don't care. I don't say that. I don't say that. I don't care. It don't matter. You young guys that aren't married, listen to me. Before you ever get married, dude, you got to ask yourself, do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? You can't have both. That's impossible. Because at this wedding altar, when your pastor says, and by the authority given me by the state and the wonderful God of our Father, I pronounce it your husband and wife in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. At that, when he says, I pronounce it your husband, in her mind, Here's what happens. Some things are going to change y'all up in here. I know that's right. Some things are going to change. So you got to think about that. Well, I won't be long or boring because <laughs> I've been in no services. Actually, I was the one preaching. But uh, Judges, chapter, <laughs> Judges chapter 16, I want to just read uh, just a small portion for you this morning. And I do love you all. I pray you'll come tonight. You know, Austin's Bridge, Crab Revival, Mark Ivey, um, uh, incredible, incredible Christians, not just entertainers. Listen to this. You know, there's a lot of people that have talent, but their talent can take them where their character can't keep them. These guys love the Lord. I know them, and I use them on some of my conferences. Matter of fact, they've just been nominated for three Dove Awards, so that's incredible. I love to see God's people. I, I love to see God's people really love God benefit. In Judges chapter 16, the Bible tells the story of Samson. And you know, at the end of the, you know at the end of his life, at the end of his life, he said, let me die with the Philistines. You may remember this. He says, listen, just let me die. And, and God, if you'll give me my strength back one more time, God, I want to avenge these Philistines for the loss of my eyes. And I want to give you the glory. And God, please, just one time. And the Bible says, so that the dead that he slew in his death were more than he slew in his life. But here's what I want you to read with me, if you would. In verse number, uh, I believe it's verse number 19. The Bible says, she made him sleep on her knees. And she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment and his strength left him. And she said, the Felicitines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke up from his sleep and he says, I will go out as at other times and shake myself. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. You know, here's what I would love for everyone to understand. If I had five minutes with you, I would love for you to understand that the decisions that you make today are in fact the realities you live with tomorrow. I would like for you to know that you will not think the same at 28 as you do at 18. You will not think the same at 38 as you do 28. That's just a fact. I am now 50 years old, and I'm telling you, I have tests now that do not require paper and pencil. If I knew that someday a doctor was going to dress me in a sheet, a wax paper sheet and make me do what I've had done to me with soapy water and hoses and lights and flashlights and air compressors. Let me just... 
If you ever go to the doctor and on the wall is a garden hose and an air compressor and a searchlight, just start running. Start running. I had a test called a flexible sigmoidoscopy. They need to delete that word flexible altogether. Just delete it. There I am as humiliated as I've ever been. Naked as the day I was born. Big chunk of cheese like me laying there on that bed. And she says, oh my Jamie Ragel, I got saved at Camp Chautauqua in 1984 when you preached. I cannot believe I'm assisting the doctor. To, and I thought, I can't believe it either. I can't believe it either. Man, and, and you know what? If you ever in your life begin to ask those questions like, could this get any worse? It can get worse. I mean, I was, by the time I got, they gave me two little pills to take the night before and a jug of powder called Go Lightly. Pooh, that's a lie. Go Lightly. It was go forever. By the time I got to the doctor, I needed one, and that wasn't enough, so they had to give me some more. And then about the time I'm starting to think, could it get any worse? He said, now we're going to have to put some air in here. Well, now, hold on, brother. I said, hey, now, hey, hey, hey. When I was 18, if somebody would have told me this is really things that happen to old people, I'd have never believed it. But you know what? When I was your age, if somebody would have told me that I would have a 22-year-old daughter who lives in a nursing home in Cincinnati, Ohio, right now, who's fed with a tube, she doesn't speak, she doesn't walk, she has no purposeful movement, She's blind. She lives on a ventilator. You've seen little kiddos like my daughter. Her twin sister's married to the worship leader at West Cabarrus Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. She's in a nursing home. My oldest daughter is married to a man who leads worship in his church in northern Kentucky. But you know what? When I sat where you sat, I thought, you know, God, this could possibly happen to someone else but never me. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. What Samson did in this passage of scripture is he just said, you know what, when these things happen, I'll just do what I've always done. I mean, it's no big deal. I'll just, I'll shake myself like I've done before. I mean, this guy took the jawbone of an ass and he destroyed an army. Uh, if you think UFC and Ken Shamrock and Tito Ortiz and those guys are bad, this guy took the bone uh, uh, from a donkey and destroyed an army. He pushed down a building for crying out loud. what he left behind, and what he didn't realize. And listen, there's going to come a time in your life, and I love to have fun, but there's going to come a time in your life when things change. Your life's going to change. One day, you're going to get back the card from the doctor, and instead of getting a little green card, you're going to get a little pink card that says things are not okay. You might one day find out your wife is leaving you or your husband. Or there might be a knock on your door at 3 o'clock in the morning, and it's some state highway patrolman who says, you know... This tragedy has occurred. I was listening to Johnny talk about this young man that, I mean, I guess he was going home. or he, he didn't have any idea when he left here that he wouldn't make it home. 
And you, you have to take this for what it's worth. There's people here that don't want to be here, but there's people that, that do want to be here. There's people here who are going to go off the rails on the crazy train and ruin their life. But there's going to be some people here who say, I don't care what everybody else does. I want to be what God wants me to be. There's people who are going to find fault. I call them cowards behind the keyboards. You know, it's amazing how brave you get when you get behind a keyboard. You know what I'm I'm tired of people who come to church to get offended. Come to get a blessing for crying out loud. I've met so many hateful people this year, I could slap them and God would say amen. Just hateful all the time. Just hateful all the time. Do you know what I don't like? Hey, build a bridge and get over it. Put your big boy pants on. Nobody cares. There's a little girl cutting herself because her grandpa's raping her. There's a young guy out here battling the demons of homosexuality. I don't give two hoots whether you have a problem with the color of the carpet at your church or nobody ever asks me to sing. They don't ask you to sing because you can't sing. That's why they don't ask you to sing. And you just laugh. Here's what I was thinking. It don't matter. It don't, it's like running. I know y'all are talking about this race and you ought to do it. But I ain't doing that. You need to know that. My buddy told me the other day, he says, dude, I just ran 26 miles. I ain't doing that. I ain't running unless somebody's chasing me. That's what I got a car for. And if you spend your whole life, listen, if you spend your whole life looking for the real thing outside of Jesus, you're not going to find it. You're just not going to find it. But you know what? We, there is such an absence of authenticity and a celebration of the superficial. What happens is when these tragedies occur, we lose our loved ones, our marriages fall apart. When we have somebody in our life that disappoints us, here's what we do. We do just what Samson did and we say, you know what? We'll just do what we've always done. I want to give you a couple of transitions in this passage. The first is the transition of surrendered strength. Please don't miss this. I, um, I was actually driving from North Carolina up through Greensboro, Danville, coming here to, to Lynchburg. And I was listening to a CD, and the pastor on the CD was talking about the seven churches of Asia Minor. He was talking about the different personalities of those churches. Of course, he was dealing with the church at Laodicea. But... But, but he mentioned the church at Ephesus, and here's what he said. He said, of course you know, ladies and gentlemen, that the church at Ephesus lost their first love. And I said, no, they didn't. No, they didn't. They left their first love. Uh, there's a difference in losing something and leaving something. They, they didn't lose it. They left it. They walked away from everything that made them great. Here's my question. If you come to a Christian university... If you, it, whether you're going to be a doctor or whether you're going to be a school teacher, if you're going to be a, a pastor or an evangelist, if you come to a Christian university, wouldn't you take every opportunity you could to say, God, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to give you what I have. God, I need your help because I really do want to change. I want to change my world. Folks, there are people throwing their strength away, just like Samson. I love you guys. I'm telling you, I care for you. But what some of you are doing in your life, you have no comprehension of what size price tag is associated with that. I think it's better to spend 10 fewer years with the right person 
than ten too many with the wrong one. But some of you, you've got to have a relationship so bad. You, you, listen, it, yeah, I just broke up with him, but guess what? I think Justin wants to date me now. Why don't you take a break? Go have a cheeseburger. And some of y'all like yourselves a whole lot. Some of y'all real proud of yourselves. You know what? God has a way of adjusting that. There's nobody in this building that God loves any more than you. I told my brother, my biggest pet peeve, societal pet peeve on a personal level is to hear people describe other folks like this. Yeah, I got this black buddy I work with. His name is Daryl. He's what? Stop. How come you just don't have this buddy named Daryl you work with? Why is it important I know he's your black buddy named Daryl? You want to know why? Because you think you're better than he is. There's this Mexican guy I work with. His name is Juan. I think, I don't know how they really say that. Juan. Maybe like Juan. Not two, but Juan. He, and he is the, he's Mexican, but he's the nicest guy. Stop. How come there's just not this nice guy named Juan that you work with? See, your life is going to come unraveled one day and you don't need to so insulate yourself by believing that you're perhaps something that you're not that when these times happen, you've given all your strength away and guess what? You've been so cocky and arrogant you don't have anyone to surround you and strengthen you. You ever seen that website called RateMyProfessor.com? <laughs> I know one thing. If I would have seen some of them, I'd have been crying like a little girl. They don't love me. Nobody loves me. I'm about to up about this. I told Don Tavius, and he, did, he said to me he didn't care either. I'm just about to cry myself to sleep. I mean, there's some people on there that folks don't like. But you know what? You can't spend your life worrying about that. You, you, you and I have this opportunity. I mean, right now. To let God do something in our life. I was thinking about Samson. How he surrendered his strength. But, but it led to this. It led to a counterfeit confidence. He says, you know what? I'm confident. You know, my dad, my mom, still alive. I have one brother. I have three daughters. I have grandchildren now. Which I think, grandkids are like God's reward to me for not killing my kids. When... <laughs> When they were teenagers. You know, I, and I'm thinking the other day, I'm watching this grandchild. God, please don't make me have to change a diaper. That's what I was really. And I thought I'd be okay because the diaper box said it was good up to 27 pounds. And I thought, surely, you know, he's not going to do that. If he does that, he needs one of them exams. And I don't know who was in my hotel last night, but the, them kids could have started in Children of the Corn Part 3. Somebody needs to heal them kids. I know that's right. But confidence? Man, I want to tell you something. Confidence, you can't get confidence where some of you are looking for confidence at. Confidence comes in and through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, as, as a father of daughters... And a grandfather of two, I want to tell you, I really hate the pressure that the cosmetic industry and the fashion industry puts especially on our little girls. But I want to tell you, our young men too. I'm telling you, our confidence is, is hid with Christ in God. There are some people who are never going to like you. 
There are some people who are never going to support you. There are some people who will never give you a chance. But I'll tell you what you can always be confident in. My God will supply your needs according to his riches in Christ, in Christ Jesus. Listen, he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? You can be confident of the fact that when you need God, he's there. Some of you today are struggling. Some of you today, what you're going through in your life, again, you've hidden. People don't know. There are some of you right now, what's going on in your life, nobody would ever believe. There's somebody here, I'm in a crowd this size. There's somebody here that's battling a demon that no one else even knows. I was checking into the hotel not long ago, and this particular hotel I was in, they had a club inside the hotel, and the band that was playing in there was so loud, you could hear it out in the foyer. So I'm checking in, and I'm, you can hear the crowd is so animated, and the crowd is loud, and the band is loud. And so on my way to the room, I stop at the doorway of that club, and I just want to see what's going on. And these people are absolutely electric. I mean, the crowd is jumping, and there's this girl dancing on this table to a song that says, I like your pants around your feet. This is what she's dancing to. I get up Sunday morning, I get a ride to the church, I'm sitting on the second row, and right up here, she is singing, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy. And I thought... Does it not bother any of you that your Saturday night don't match your Sunday morning? That bother you at all? What's going to happen is there's going to come a time when you're going to need him and you're going to find out you don't even know him. I have preached this for 31 years. The biggest surprise when it's all said and done will be professing Christians in hell. 1 John 3, 8, you need to hear this. 1 John 3, 8 says, he that practices sin is of the devil. 1 John 3, 9 says, whosoever is born of God does not practice sin. We're not talking about going out one night and doing something you shouldn't do or it gets a little too far on this date or it gets a little too far at this moment and you say, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm telling you, there are people in this building who live one way here. You have an entirely different life out there, but you're very confident in the fact that you're going to heaven when you die. I want to tell you, I believe that's a counterfeit confidence because he that practices sin is of the devil. Whoever is born of God does not practice sin. And if that matters to you, then you need to really look that over. That brings me to this. A repentant return. Finally, in those last moments of Samson's life, he says, God, please. You know, his hair began to grow back. And his strength returned. And he said, God, if you could just one time give me my strength back. God, I want to honor you. But, you know, he, he was also, he wanted, to get, he wanted to get even those Philistines that stuck his eyes out. He says, you know, God, I want to get even with these guys. And the Bible says, with all of his might, he pushed and the building fell down. And you know the story. But here's the sad end of that. While he came back and while he returned, the Bible says so that the dead that he slew in his death were more than what he slew in his life. 
I want to ask you a question today. I want to ask you, you ever feel like there's the need in your life just to come back home and say, Lord, I want to do the right thing. God, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I want to do the right thing. There's nobody in the world loves to have more fun than I do. But there is nobody in this world that's more passionate about your soul. I believe our, I believe our schools and our churches are filled with people who are very confident. Listen, if you believe what the Bible says, I believe that Satan's a liar. He's the father of all lies. He's never told a, spoken a true word in his life. He, he's okay if you go to church every Sunday or if you come to Convo and you sit here and you think everything is okay. But in reality, I mean, the life you live, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not anything that would be protocol from the Scripture. As a matter of fact, it's the antithesis of what the Bible says. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. You know, I would never... Dave, will you come and help me? I, I would never in, in my life wish on the person in this world that I like the least. I would never wish the last 22 years that I've had with my daughter Holly on anybody. I'm going to give you the short story here because we're running out of time. But Holly lives in a nursing home. I have a daughter, Heather, who's going to be 28 her next, next birthday. And then I have daughters, Heidi and Holly. And they're 22 years old. When Holly was a month old, it was Mother's Day, 1986. She had what the doctors now tell us was the equivalent of an aneurysm. And they believed that's because she was a twin. They were preemies. And there was something underdeveloped. Something happened. Massive bleeding in the brain. That has left her profoundly brain injured. She doesn't walk, doesn't talk, doesn't speak. She's fed through a tube. I was looking at, I was looking at you wonderful people. I watched a girl just while I was sitting here. I watched her run all the way up those stairs and all the way back down, didn't miss a lick. And I think of my daughter, Holly. She's never walked one step in her whole life. Well, the last time I went to see Holly at, at the nursing home in Cincinnati, I walked in there and she shares a room with three other girls. So there's four profoundly handicapped kids, young people in this room. And I just stood there for a moment and I had to sit down. My wife was coming in and I didn't want to cry in front of her because I wanted to be strong for her. But I honestly wonder... What do people without Christ do? I would have never believed that would happen. But while you're out here getting your Jaeger on, and while you're out here getting polluted out of your mind, and while you're out here getting high and faded, and then you think someday you're just going to ring God and say, okay, you might find yourself in the same position Samson found himself in, and listen, the worst place would be at the judgment. And he wist not that the Spirit of God had to... So did he lose his salvation? No, no. But he was operating in the power and the strength of the flesh. And he was absent of the power of the strength of God. And some of you have done it so long. And you've accepted the artificial so long. And the analogy of yogurt and ice see you don't know the real thing because you've always had the imitation 
You don't know the God of the Bible because you came and prayed some cute little prayer that gives you a pass to live like hell but to claim heaven. And you know, the worst place in the world to be in, the worst place in the world, especially at your young age, is to be at a place where you sit here and you say, I don't even care. If you get to the place where you don't care what he says, you have no idea how much trouble you're in. You have no idea. So I want to ask you a question today. Would you bow your head with me? As Dave plays, I don't know what your needs are. But I wonder, in the quietness of this moment, if you'd answer this question. Just answer this on a personal level. And by the way, if you don't want to listen, I pray you won't talk to the person next to you who may actually care about what's being said. I want to ask you this. I wonder how many friends today might just take your hand, hold it straight up in the air, and say, Jamie, I can't speak for anybody else, but I needed what I heard today. I'll be honest with you, Jamie, I needed to laugh a little bit today. I needed to smile a little bit. <clears throat> but I'll tell you something else. I was challenged. God convicted me. God challenged me. He edified me, exhorted me. He admonished me. I needed what I heard today. I know the real me. I know what I am. I know who I am. I know what I do, what I say, how I live. I just wonder how many friends would just take your hand, high as you can, straight up in there and say, Jamie, I cannot speak for one other person at Convo today, but I needed what I heard today. God spoke to me. Would you take your hand, high as you can? Just I can't even call out the hands, but would you hold it? That's too many hands, but... All over the building. We just hold up as high as you can. Just as high as you can. God bless all of you, precious friends. I want to ask you to do something. We got five minutes, so I'm going to take every second of it. I want to ask all of you who raised your hand to just look right this way. All of you. All of you who raised your hand. I have no earthly idea how we would accomplish this. But would you let me pray with you? I'd like to pray with you. And I'd like for you, any way you can, to leave your seat and come as close to this stage as you can. Fill in this whole blue area. Fill in all around here. Just let me pray with you. And I don't want you to wait and see who else comes. If you were one of those that raised your hand, would you allow me the great privilege of praying with you? Would you do that right now? And come just as close as you can. Just as close as you can. That's it. Come just as close as you can. Maybe you're seated, but you would also like to pray or you would like to just reach your hand out to these who are coming and say a prayer with them. I wish this was big enough for all of you to get up here. I really, really do. I know it's a little close quarters even if you can't make it come as close as you can you might have to pause just right where you are 
but would you, would you all look right here at me, all, all of you? I'm going to tell you something, friends. If you had any idea what God would like to do with you and how he would like to use you, I promise you, you wouldn't pursue the path that some of you are pursuing. And what we need more than we've ever needed, I'm telling you, we need men and women just like you who will say, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I want to be what God wants me to be. I want to see the world like you see them. God, there's not going to be this red person, yellow person, white person, black. God, they're going to be your child, your creation. And, and, and you know what? Let, let's just really get down to it. If some of you today really mean what you pray, and if you're going to do what you need to do, you won't be able to date the person you've been dating. You won't be able to keep going where you've been going. There's going to have to be some real changes. But I pray for strength. I'm going to pray for you. All of you. I'm just going to pray for you. I, and I... Let me just do that. And, and, and you in the crowd, would you pray too? Holy Spirit of the living God, for these precious men and women today, God, I pray that today there would be a commitment to love you, to serve you, to follow you. God, I pray with just a few weeks left of school, God, that, that we won't make catastrophic decisions that could cost us our enrollment or get us expelled or suspended or, God, even worse, maybe hurt or harmed. God, I pray today in the name and through the blood of Jesus that you would continue to bless Liberty University and, God, that you would bless the ministry of this great school. I pray for the professors today. God, that you would give them an added measure of your strength and grace. I pray for the faculty and the staff. But God, more than all of that, I pray for these precious men and women today who have come and said, Lord, we, we don't want to be satisfied with superficial. We want to embrace the authentic. And God, we want your power resting on our lives. And God, I pray today for an added measure of that power and strength. I pray that you would bless every life and every soul. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And I believe. Amen. And I love you, precious friend. And I hope I get to see you again. Pastor Johnny, I don't know what we do here, but I love you all. Behave yourself. You too. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie.